it is friday the 13th and the terrifying block height is 489,701. shinobi do a spooky voice the maximalists are coming for you look out that's right hyper bitcoinization what's the term what was the term you were oh, talking about hyper bitcoinization that, that that's the thing that's the boogeyman it's coming for us yeah this is what happens by the way when you get hyper bitcoinization is all the alts just go down like nobody get, look at dogecoin look at poor doge oh down there 19 sat what was its low it's like 17 sat at the low 17 satoshis even xmr had a little pump today little dead cat bounce on all these alts but when everyone just goes full Bitcoin, they don't give a fuck about anything else. Like none of the alts really matter. Litecoin the same, blood on the streets. And all because of this, the daddy, Bitcoin, just doesn't give a fuck. Look at it. It just keeps on going. And, I love um, it when you call me Big Papa. Look at it. Look at it, though. It doesn't give a fuck. Look at it. That's like a finger. Doesn't that look like it's giving the finger? Honey badger don't care, man. It's literally giving the finger. And um, yeah, so good show yesterday. People reacted quite positively. And then today in the Bitcoin Mumble chat, you guys were tearing it up. Like had a really good conversation, like four hours or something. Before we came on air, one of the reasons why, well, I guess we're not too behind schedule based on this week's uh, timeframes, but yeah, Monkey, dude, I'm so glad you recorded some of that because we've got to get that out there, permission pending, you know, for everyone mm -hmm. involved, but really, yeah, really good conversation. That. I'm hoping all the parties are in, or that were involved are comfortable with that because I really think that's a, a conversation that isn't really had too often in this space, but it is one of the most central things that needs to be talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're wondering what it is you're missing out on, um, you can click on the link in the description below at the top of the Bitcoin Mumble chat. Uh, most, uh, everybody's welcome. It is mostly like Bitcoin maximalists, but there are some also some crypto fans there. I think we're pretty open-minded um, to all different suggestions. If you do have an ICO to promote, yeah, you're going to have a hard time. We're definitely going to give you a hard time. Um, but please do come in because we do enjoy giving ICO people a hard time. <laughs> so that would actually be a benefit. Right. Straight down to business. So yesterday, we spent a large portion of the show talking about the SEC meeting. Proud to announce that we can now share that video with you. So you can now view it. The, again, the link is in the description below. And I also put the link to the video um, in the description of yesterday's video. So this was the meeting that we were talking about. There wasn't actually an archive at the time that we, we were broadcasting, but now you get to see it. So there it is. So let's start with our first story. PBOC, apparently the director is talking about potentially having a centralized state cryptocurrency. Go. Yeah, Someone. I think this is, it's kind of it's really silly when I see like these kinds of discussions used to just dismiss open uh, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin because, well, yeah, it, it's at the end of the day, it is a technology aside from these implementations like Bitcoin. It, but 
you know, the big problem with national currencies isn't so much the underlying technology. The big flaw is really the, the economic policies and just the systemic flaws that that creates or exacerbates in the economies at large. And I like, you know, I think this is just the next wave of Bitcoin is dead and what the, the, the general narrative surrounding that is going to be. Like, I, I've heard this for years. Bitcoin or, is just going to be done better by banks or central banks. But as, as long as I see this attitude that they're just going to take the technology and do the same old stuff with it, that they aren't going to actually look at the or underlying flaws or flawed assumptions in the, the actual economic policy they're engaging in with whatever tools they use. I just think this is another just nonsense narrative that's going to blow up in the face of everybody perpetuating it. Like until they actually look at the root issue of the policies they implement with whatever tools they have, it's just going to be the same old nonsense with a different coat of paint. Yeah. I mean, their, their whole economic situation is just, uh, it's just entangled from the micro to the macro. And, uh, you know, you can't, uh, I don't really think there's an easy fix where you can just kind of stick this middle layer in there and, and get everything, you know, ship shape. So, uh, you know, a learning curve may be ahead for them. Yeah, you know, I mean, these things are starting to pop up more and more in these uh, stories from different countries about, you know, it used to be blockchain, now it's digital currencies. And these are just like, uh, it seems like big state-sponsored ICOs. They're just a little bit more grandiose, but come on, guys, we know that these guys are not the cryptocurrency we want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shani, what have you sent me here? You wait for Bitcoin price to go into four thousands. Yeah, very true. Very yeah, true. Yeah, I just thought it's funny. I think I saw someone today that's uh, they made a list of like all the times that people have been saying, "Oh no, I'm going to wait until Bitcoin goes back down, and then I'm going to buy. I'm going to wait till it's cheaper. It's too expensive right now." And they said that a hundred dollars, and then they said two hundred dollars, they said a thousand dollars. It's like, guys, just come on. It's not going to happen. Just get in. Like, don't be the skeleton. Bitcoin's always been too expensive for people. Like it doesn't matter what price it is. But I, what I will say about this this PBOC story is that it just looks like uh, the journalist there is reaching just to do a story, and they were quite quick um, to point out that this wasn't the PBOC itself; it was uh, the director of the PBOC. So um, I think they're kind of making something out of nothing. This is just one person making a comment and. Uh, Wolfie Zhao, who wrote this article at CoinDesk, I think. Um, so, with all due respect, I think I think you're just kind of trying to put stuff out there to kind of imply that maybe they're going to come up with the state-sponsored cryptocurrency. I don't see why they would, because then you'd have to have you know public keys for all your users, and you know those public keys would have what some kind of permissions to change the entry on the ledger. Really, I mean, why not just doing it? That doesn't make any sense. Why would a state ever do that? Why would it ever give it citizens control like that? Um, oh, maybe some engineer will come up with some really evil plan and they'll figure out a way to keep it really centralized and, and still have the public key infrastructure. But it just seems terribly inefficient to me. Any final well, yeah. thoughts? Well, it's just the, the, the research institute that the People's Bank of China set up to investigate like cryptocurrencies and blockchain is only like six months old. So, I mean, like, it, they have a fully fleshed out system or a plan for one in six months. Like, I find that very hard to believe. Like, I, I agree completely that 
I just think this is just another headline grab that doesn't really have much substance to it. Yeah, you know, I was just going to say, yeah, like, it's... It, sorry. I was just no, no, gonna, go ahead. I was just going to mention how it kind of bleeds into our next story about how these uh, state-sponsored cryptos are just popping up more and more and, like, how it's really, like, the economic policy behind them. That's where these things are just, they're being tossed out and pitched as this sort of Nobody's really looking into that part of it. It's the blockchain, hashtag blockchain. What's your blockchain strategy? You into DLT? I'm a DLT consultant. I charge 0.1 BTC per hour. I can tell you what your blockchain strategy should be. What is this visual, Johnny? Okay. Johnny is not with us right now. She's been disconnected. Commerce <laughs> All right, all right, moving on. So, yeah, sorry, we've got to do the Segwit2x thing every fucking day, it seems, because there just seems to be more and more stories coming out about it. Um, so we've had BitMEX today and also BreadWallet announcing how they're going to be handling things. I want to start off with uh, BitMEX. BitMEX is a futures exchange, derivatives mostly, um, based out of the Seychelles. They've been pretty consistent since Bitcoin Cash that they did not want to incentivize these uh, forks of Bitcoin because it was a massive overhead for them um, in order to implement. And so they're saying that the top priority is to protect the assets of their customers and in order for uh, them to effectively do that, they need strong two-way transaction replay protection enabled by default such that transactions on each chain are invalid on the other chain. A clean break such that the new chain cannot be wiped out by the original chain and modification to the block header such that all wallets including like clients are required to upgrade to follow the hard fork to chain a change in address format to prevent people inadvertently sending coins to an address of the wrong chain that's a good idea and then new ptp peer-to-peer -peer network magic to ensure magic to ensure a functioning and reliable node network for both coins so what what are your take on it? I mean, it wasn't really new information to a lot of us in the trading community because I guess we all know um, the, the policy over there at BitMEX. They've spoken about it before, but now we have it in writing. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of the issue. Um, if 2x doesn't implement uh, replay protection, you know, a lot of the, the BitMEX uh, requirements are, I think, specific to them beyond replay protection. But when all the exchanges got together and made a statement about Bitcoin Unlimited, like they were pretty unanimous in the statement that unless there was replay protection, that they could not list a coin. So with Garzik having pulled out um, the hacky implementation for that, um, that he had set up to be an optional method, like there's nothing now. And if there's absolutely no replay protection, well... <clears throat> Obviously, some of the 2x signatories might ignore that and list it anyway, but some of the biggest exchanges in this space are not signatories to that agreement, and they all signed the requirement for replay protection. So unless they do something, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot here. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Anyone else have a take on it? I just really like the language that they used. It seemed really clear and evident, which, you know, what their plan is, and I really like the you know, these statements, they just keep rolling out. I know we're going to probably keep covering them as they come out. I like the way that it's very clear their position. I don't like some of these statements we've gotten where it seems like they want to wait till 
after some difficulty adjustments and how things happen after the fork and plays out. I like this. It's clear cut. It's, uh, it's the way it's the way things should go. Yeah, indeed. And even better, actually liked uh, the way Bread Wallet made their announcement, quoting at Bread. We have two main objectives when making these types of decisions. One, keep customer funds safe and two, give customers as much choice as possible. I thought that was very well said and uh, very succinct, straight to the point and pretty much covers, um, you know, everything, everything that the forkers should know really. Yeah, I feel real kind of bad for uh, Bread Wallet in particular because they're one of the few wallets out there that is a like a full, I guess, SPD design, if you could call anything that in the, the definition Satoshi laid out. But it actually does just connect directly to random peers on the network, get balances through bo or bloom filters, and uses the uh, Merkle proof from the heads. So it's not really set up in uh, the way that a lot of other wallets are, where it connects to those services nodes where you know with the with that other architecture it's a lot simpler to protect with things like this you just you know have an option set up and then run both nodes and then users can just very easily connect to whichever version they want whereas with bread wallets architecture and the way that it directly connects out to the network it's a little more complicated for them to try and deal with something like this so they are making users aware that you can directly connect to a specific node that you trust so anybody out there who does or is capable of running a full node, you can run your own node and connect directly to that on whichever chain you want to. And they're even open, I think they said in there, to the possibility of setting up their own nodes or uh, like accumulating a list of nodes that are publicly accessible on both sides of the chain to kind of make that easier for people who don't have access to a node they trust or aren't able to run their own. And like it's it's a lot more complicated for them, but I really think it's it's good to see they are trying to take the responsible approach even with those complications. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I think it was very um, some good announcements. I think we're probably going to get some more of these as time goes on. And uh, I hate to keep bringing it up every day, though. I could I could do with a break from two X. <laughs> Season two X, man. <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't even think this thing's going to happen. I just think it's a lot of hot air. And pretty much everyone at the meetup yesterday in Berlin thought the same thing. Like, everyone's thinking the same thing. It's a whole bunch of drama. I don't want to have to deal with it. And it probably isn't going to happen. Like, they're probably just going to call it off. And somebody was asking me earlier on Twitter, like, what happens to the chain split tokens on Bitfinex um, in the event that you know there is no chain split and of course the the b2 tokens bt2 tokens they go to zero um and the bt1s just you know get converted into bitcoin automatically so uh of course the price of the bt2 token uh, like all the alts nightmare on all the street also went down down to 10 percent now of bitcoin's value so the segwit 2x chain split token on bitfinex uh, last i checked may have changed since then is now currently trading at 10 percent of the uh, bitcoin's value so says a lot about the confidence doesn't it of the market uh, on that system staying with 2x uh we also saw a drop off in the number of miners signaling or sorry perhaps not the number of miners signaling but the amount of uh, actual support posted on coindance um actually now 79.9 percent at the time of broadcast 
um, currently mined. So yes, this is number of percentage of blocks mined, uh, stating their intention for Segwit2x. So that was. was yeah, I'm not. I'm not really too um, <clears throat> fond of CoinDance and the metrics that they propose. I mean, if they they have the the politics section where they were showing percentage support for different proposals, and like they they gamed the shit out of it. I mean, point blank, they just invented an entirely new category in relation to SegWit um, that's ready, but not necessarily supporting for um <clears throat> the metrics they displayed so that they could show a lack of support versus other proposals and they literally had companies directly pinging them on twitter requesting that they change their stance from ready to supporting and they ignored them until i started calling them out on that and then also they have a ridiculous standard for what constitutes um support versus um just being ready for they, they were ignoring for a number of mining pools, people actually signaling SegWit in their blocks and required a, a public statement in their words from a verifiable source. And like, I just, I have a feeling, like they're wildly manipulating the metrics they show to push their point of view. And I, I don't think that it's a good objective place to gather such metrics from. Yeah, okay, fair enough. This is uh, Truthcoin, Paul posting up the same, same metric I was saying on it. Anyone else have anything to say on 2X? I know it's tiresome. I like how it's Barry Watch. Barry Watch. Backroom Barry. It's backroom time. Noted. Oh my God. Noted. <laughs> that reminds me, have you guys seen the meme about um, the Forkers by Philippe? Okay, oh, I have, but I didn't want to show it because I, I, I want to yeah, keep the. I, I know, want to keep I know why you don't want to show it. What? <laughs> my favorite one. My favorite one is fake Satoshi. He did a really good job with that Photoshop with the wig and everything. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want this to be like a tabloid show. You know, I, I, I appreciate Finney and everything that he does. I think he's also a very talented guy. I just, I just felt like that was a bit too tabloidy for me, and I didn't want to. Yeah, I, I like. Don't get me wrong. I love the memes coming out of this, a lot of this stuff, and I think it's hilarious. But I do kind of feel bad for some of the people who are being memed in that way simply for misstepping or misunderstanding things, as opposed to just. Like, well, you're being generous now. That's not toxic, is it? That's that's very generous. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like, it's, it's just a meme is like a way that people of our generation condense an idea and it, it just the way that that is done, it can be very brutal. And I mean, it's in a way that's, it, well, it's not me, totally uncalled for, but it's, it's just, it's brutal. Like it, that's meme, what it is. Memes, you know, it was a term from genetics initially is actually Richard Dawkins, I believe who, who coined the term and what we, the impact that memetics have had on end-to-end -end networking have meant that the the edges of the network get closer together because of the speed at which information travels in between because you get this sort of this time dilation effect where as information inside of the network travels faster the edges of the network get uh, seemingly closer they feel closer right and so yeah um these kind of metric vectors i think are just a way for people to uh harmonize the, uh, and resonate you know with with their feelings and so i i actually am less forgiving 
of, of people in this industry. I think that a lot of the people that are being memed uh, entirely deserve it, quite frankly. I mean, I, I don't think that it helps the discussion and I do think it is tabloidy, but as a human, as a, as a human being, I, I see some of these and I, and I laugh. It, it like it lightens up my day and you know james joyce you know ridiculed ridiculed a lot of people in ulysses and he wrote about them immortalized them really um and that was his way of expressing you know his disdain for for, for certain individuals and i think that's all this community is really doing you know and if you're going to put yourself out there and you're going to try and fork you know the, this network and take it away from people and try and centralize it guess what you can you can expect some memes you can expect some of that yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's it kind of really, like a meme in order to really be funny, there has to be truth in it. And like, I, I don't know if anybody here is a Robert Heinlein fan, but in the book Stranger in a Strange Land, the, the main character was uh, pretty much raised by Martians. And one of the things he never understood about humans was humor. And the moment he, he really, like, it clicked in his head in the story was when he was at a zoo and saw a big monkey just crack the hell out of a smaller monkey to like, I, I think it was like to get food or something. And he just started laughing and he came to this realization that like things are funny. Like it, it, humor is, is a way to cope with reality, with, with things that, that are bad or horrifying. And the only way to really do that is to, to see the humor in it. And like, like that interaction was really like when it, it clicked in his head, what humor was. And like, I think that's exactly what a meme is. It's just a, a truth that's condensed so much that it's, it's just pure humor. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. So I don't know if we, if we want to be too, too forgiving people. Remember that the memes can go two ways, except they generally don't, do they? Have you noticed that there are no memes about Shinobi? Well, it's, you can't really make an effective meme if there's no underlying truth to it. And it's like when you see like I, one side of this debate try to meme, they, they're just bad because there's no truth. Shanine, you want to come in? Okay, we lost Shanine. We lost her. All right. We'll quickly move on to Christine Lagarde. Um, who said today that we are about to see massive disruptions um, in finance, and she even spoke positively about cryptocurrencies, I understand. Uh, who posted the story up on the news desk? Was it Rick? No. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. It was, I okay. Did. Yeah, I posted it just because it was, like we're saying, it's another state-sponsored uh, cryptocurrency. It's like it sounded what she was saying was they have uh, this coin that they're, or a coin, some technology they're working on called Special Drawing Right where you know they say it's not a crypto in the sense of a distributed ledger or anonymous and they have some purpose use for it and they're planning on using it so she says not to discount cryptocurrencies because you know she's going to ICO or something I don't know these these people they need to find a way to get money because they know they're on their way out so they're like well we'll just come up with special drawing right and see how that goes so you know this in the year I don't know they're changing their tune it's not blockchain anymore it's a digital Crypto, it's digital coins and digital tokens and you know state-sponsored tokens. So yeah, I threw it up on the desk with the uh, People's Bank of China. It started out with Bitcoin and then it turned into blockchain. It's not about Bitcoin, it's about the underlying technology. Now it's just digital currencies. 
and they're just trying to broaden the scope slowly but surely widen the definition so wide that it just becomes this mush of vagueness uh, to the point where people on the street don't know the difference right no not at all you put a 2x in there or you can start flipping these little digits and letters that we use i mean it definitely makes it more confusing for that average consumer yeah. Get rid of all the validate nodes. Next step, get rid of all the miners. Next step, apply KYC to all the you know servers that actually run the database. Next step, centralize the database. Just have it in one building. <laughs> and we get past this step of this two X, and like I'm just thinking, like the road will be clear. And then you know, there's going to be another step, though. Yeah, wars keep coming. Indeed, indeed. Well, I think I think these articles are pretty interesting. Um, I do like to hear them when they come out. I personally just look at someone like her and I just think I mean you're so far gone like your your time is done like you you had it you had your heyday and it's it's not here anymore all right Nick's go anything I uh yeah I mean I agree good <laughs> <laughs> I like it I like it when we agree we're blazing through today's stories. I might have to come up with a new story on the fly. Okay, for, for our last sort of fake news section, uh, the funny story of the day is our favorite person in the world, Jamie Dimon. He said he'd shut his mouth about Bitcoin and then he went and opened it again. And uh, this is like 24 hours later. Well, I mean, called his, called his own daughter stupid again in this interview, by the way. Yeah, he said formally smart daughter or something. Oh, like the that. fuck is this shit? Like, all right. So, what did he say? I watched the video. It's pretty funny. I would play it for you now, but frankly, just don't really want to do that to you. It's like, who well, cares about Bitcoin? Kept saying, who cares about Bitcoin? I don't even care about Bitcoin. I mean, have we mentioned the fact that now the Bitcoin market cap is bigger than J.P. Morgan? Oh yeah, good point. <laughs> no, Goldman Sachs. I can't remember. Goldman Sachs. Oh, it might. Can anyone look up the market cap of J.P. Morgan? <laughs> yeah, I'll quickly go look that up. But he he kept stressing how J.P. Morgan moves six trillion dollars a day. Like we move six trillion dollars a day. Like we, it's all digital currency. Like we don't move banknotes for God's sake. And he's talking about it like you know, in cryptocurrency trades what like fifty billion dollars you know a week or something crazy like that. And so he was just like brushing off, like, like, walk it off, walk it off, guys. Like, yeah, you're having your fun now. But governments are going to come in. They're going to regulate it. And uh, all right, look up the market cap of JP Morgan. I have 336.94 billion. So we have That's what I got. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Got so we only, have to, we only have to do, what, three times more increase in Bitcoin market cap, and then we have... JP yeah, too. well, it's revenue 2016 I've got here is $95 billion. So we're, so we're now like over the, re the yearly revenue in market cap. <laughs> I wonder if they can prove that, cryptographically prove that's what their no, balance is. No, of course they can't <laughs> prove that. Like for all we know, that could just be fraud. Like they could be the new Enron, right? In a few years, it turns out they were just selling to themselves and it was all just wash trading and they just found this elaborate scheme so that you couldn't detect it. Right, and we'd have no, in my opinion, and so I don't get sued. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just nuts. Like he doesn't get it. He's just another person. There's another one of those people out there that just fundamentally doesn't get it. He's completely out of touch. What he needs to do, he needs to hang out in the Bitcoin mumble chat room. Like if he was hanging out with us, man, we'd be dropping some knowledge on that guy. 
he he would he would not have a good time. <laughs> Break his head. No, so, no, we we need to find his daughter. Where's his daughter? Yeah, her he, yeah. that's the other thing I found like so like his tone was like so agitated and like angry. If you actually watch that video instead of read the transcripts. And he said after he made the last comments he did that um, his daughter contacted him and said that she owned two bitcoins. And in his words, his formerly smart daughter. Like he was agitated enough that he insulted his daughter on live television because he found out she was holding bitcoin. He did, he did that last time as well. He insulted her last time. He said that she thought she was a genius because she made money on bitcoin. Yeah, she must feel pretty genius now. <laughs> it was, it's just like so petty and like personal that I, I just see that as indicative of a irrational basis for his statements rather than one like based in logic. Yeah. Yeah, we should find her and we should get her on here. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll right. see if he'll reach us out, reach it back out. <laughs> All That's right, how we get sued, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to pull a story out my ass? Well, can you, can. can you bring up the thing that I wanted to talk about before about... Oh, yeah. Program? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So, go. so this was, it's called Commerce Block, and I'm not really sure what it is. It's some kind of platform that it's uh, literally they're catering to. It's basically Bitcoin for corporations which I don't know how the hell they think that's going to work. But it was that at the very bottom, they have proposed a Bitcoin. It was all BIP 175. I don't even know if that's legit. I don't think it's real. Um, and they called it of the pay to contract protocol, uh, parties to a contract with cryptographic proof of who has contracted with whom to pay for what. What kind of proof is that? <laughs> that sounds... And then I love, you know, of course, because CoinDev, Cointelegraph and Coindesk always have these little disclaimers at the bottom. It says, we do not endorse any content or product on this page. And it's like, I'm sorry. If you're anyone, if, if you're someone who is like going around your neighborhood every day, posting like flyers on polls about, you know, a local meetup that's going to happen for some, you know, scam coin. Like, I'm sorry, at what point is, like, it may not be endorsement, but you're definitely helping the effort, aren't you? Like, I don't, I don't buy these disclaimers anymore because Cointelegraph has put out so many press pieces about ICOs that it's like, I, I don't, I don't believe that they're sincere when they say that. Yeah, I, I don't generally just stay away from Cointelegraph, to be honest. I've learned that now too. <laughs> I mean, Coindesk sometimes can can get some good stuff in here, but a lot of this is just filler content. Like it's not, you know, and a lot of the time they don't fact check, they don't actually ask it people, you know, uh, to verify any of the information. Yeah. Yeah, none of it. None of it is ever critical. It looks like a verbatim copy paste exactly. from exactly. some exactly. other press it's releases. It's just PR. All of this is just PR, really. And yeah, this is. Attention. This is silly. This BIP is apparently legit. It was uh, published in July, and it looks like literally the entire point is just recorded that the contract happened on chain. But to fulfill the contract or like show delivery of something, like the the person receiving it has to sign 
So like, I literally see absolutely no purpose for this whatsoever. And this introduces no security. This is like a like, person could just not sign and claim non-delivery when it was delivered. With a signature or a key? Uh, a key. But it's like, okay. it, it regardless, like this, that does absolutely nothing to add any degree of security to a contract. It's just like, you could just hash it and then let courts have it from there. Like there's no reason whatsoever to get like parties involved having their own keys to sign and show completion of something or not if it's not enforceable on the chain like all, this is this is ridiculously silly yeah and speaking of um jp morgan because we just went off that subject of the the bottom paragraph advertising that the token sale is going to happen that says the day may come when jp morgan will advise its institutional clients to build on top of the commerce block network <laughs> this way the money whether in crypto or fiat currency will reach the investment bank and other areas of the economy faster without the friction of transactions across the many intermediaries currently involved in trade trade velocity will i i love that so they don't so they're a bunch of banks who are upset that they're being um that they're being put out of jobs because they're no longer the intermediaries in you know the cryptocurrency financial system and then they're saying that they'll have less friction if they don't have intermediaries like it's just ridiculous what does this even mean sounds like they're scrambling yeah okay so if we don't have any further things to say, I've got uh, an impromptu story. This was something that uh, was sort of going on discussing on Twitter just before we came on air. And I found this story about how people get defrauded within in banking in the UK. And if a fraudster manages to trick somebody like these poor innocent bystanders here pictured, um, and they transfer money using bank transfer, so not a credit card payment, for example, then the banks will often turn around to them and send them a letter like this one, where they will just refuse to give them the money back. And it's oftentimes because customers are authorizing, authenticating, I mean, really authorizing is the right term, not authenticating, um, but they're authorizing the transactions using two-factor and and most of the time in the uk unfortunately it's still done with sms which as we all know is not secure so i posted this out uh in long-running uh discussion that i've been having with david birch you should follow him he's a very smart guy talks a lot about digital currencies and, and crypto and so forth and because we i've been telling him for a long time that there is a huge cost to reversible transactions if you have reversible transactions, you're essentially making the money transmitter a mediator. You're effectively making it so that every time a customer complains, and if you're doing you know millions of transactions every second, you can expect you know a number of those transactions to have a complaint about you know saying oh, I didn't mean to send this or I was defrauded. And what that does is it forces mediation. That mediation comes at a cost, and then that cost gets passed on to the customer. So in traditional banking. And this is where I'll point um, my attention, point your attention to Stephen Murdoch here. I think he's at UCL, University College London. Um, and he was obviously, first of all, just pointing out that uh, NIST is no longer re recommending uh, two-factor authentication systems that use SMS, of course, for, for obvious reasons. And I think he's mainly uh, pointing this towards the regulators. And he also pointed me towards this wonderful article here. Um, 
was uh, commenting about a BBC show called Rip Off Britain, and he was talking about push payments and the, the amount of fraud that takes place on the push payment mechanism. They're different from pull payments, um, which you use traditionally with, with credit and debit cards, but with a with a push payment system, once the the uh, transaction is executed and, and is gone, it is gone. You're going to need to go to a court in order to get that money back, much in the same way that it is with cryptocurrency. And you know, he was talking here about a lack of end-to-end -end security with phones and, and various devices that the you know everyday end users use. Um, that is basically being designed by engineers, right? Getting together and saying, okay, what tools do people already have at their disposal and how can we help to secure them? Because when it comes to banking, um, traditional legacy banking, it's not easy for a bank to say to another bank, um, excuse me, but we need to take these funds back out of your customer's account. We need you to create a debit so that we can create a credit because our customer has told us that your customer defrauded them. It, it, it's really awkward, you see, like it's not easy to do that. Whereas in the visa system, you don't have that settlement finality, you know, the, the, the payment doesn't settle for at least 30 days, right? So it's easy, it's quite relatively easier to do, do a back payment. And then you just pass the cost on to the merchant anyway. But it's harder to do that peer to peer. So I think this is interesting because I'm just kind of fed up with people in the traditional banking system saying that immutability is not a feature. Uh, when it clearly is like someone has to take responsibility at some point for that shit. If you don't know how to use two factor, or if you're not, you know, very good at looking after your money, I'm afraid you're just going to have to suck it up. You know, I'm sorry if that sounds a bit harsh, but someone's got to. Otherwise, everyone does because the banks just pass the cost on to to everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's either the person who you know screwed up eats the loss or it just gets socialized and the more people screwing things up the more like everybody has to have that socialized loss just spread around yeah indeed and that is the problem right let's go over to the chat room uh, uh, unless you have any other thoughts on the story anybody we have Aquino asking, you guys only use Mumble, no IRC, Telegram, Discord. We do have a Telegram group, don't we, Shinobi? Uh, yeah, I just put the uh, the link in the, the chat. It's um, at Dragon's Den, no spaces. But just a disclaimer, it's it's usually not that active at this point because most people spend uh, their time over at the Mumble. But, you know, if, if you paint people in there, we'll, we'll usually get the message and see somebody's in there. And, I mean, hopefully if more people want to get involved in discussion, maybe we can get that a little more active. Yeah. Cool, cool. Just going back through messages. There's a, we can go over the Accenture thing because we didn't do that. Oh yeah. Ago. Okay. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. I sent it to you. All right. Let me start. I'll get the visual up for you. Yeah, so uh, just to give a little introduction to what Acerinsure is, um, they were the company that uh, several months ago, they patented the editable blockchain. Now, it's funny because a lot of people, when they saw edible, edit editable <laughs> blockchain, <laughs> they, they saw it was edible, which obviously sounds a lot more cool. I wish someone would make an edible blockchain, but no, editable, um, which basically means that there's... Um, like I think in their case, it was three key holders that they would 
it was basically a consortium that they would be able to, you know, reverse transactions and blah, blah, blah. It's like really boring. They, uh, speaking of immutability, they apparently think that immutability is conventional orthodoxy, you know, because people are talk about it so much with these blockchains that they're like, it's, it's, con now it's conventional orthodoxy because it's been around so long that now we need to have reversible transactions because that's not conventional at all. Um, and so the story that happened a few days or got released a few days ago uh, was that unrelated to their editable blockchain, um, they had kind of a uh, cloud uh, data storage problem where a bunch of their um, clients' uh, passwords and decryption keys were exposed uh, because apparently they hosted it all on Amazon th S Amazon's S3 storage. And the data in the ZDNet article that um, talked about it, it's, it says the data could be downloaded without a password by anyone who knew the server's web addresses. So can you just imagine how fun it's going to be when we have a mutable blockchain <laughs> where the keys are exposed to everyone? Everyone is going to be muting everyone else's transactions. Man, that sounds like Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Oh, the page finally loaded up. Is this it? Is this the one? Yeah, yeah there we go. It. Two cages load. There you go. So we've got it. So we'll add that to so the yeah. description as well. Four ser yeah, so four servers, four cloud servers, no password on it. If you knew their web address, you could get access to all these passwords. So yeah, that's going to be fun when they start their blockchain thing. Yeah, incredible stuff. Love it. That's just right. like, not only is it completely pointless, but they are completely inept in doing their completely pointless thing. Yeah. Great. Sounds like a nightmare. So thank you for joining us on this uh, Friday the 13th. Do we have any final thoughts from the panel? So get out there and enjoy your weekend. Yeah, man. I, I have a... I have an idea. We should ask the chat whether anyone's going to dress up for Bitcoin-themed Halloween costumes. Or oh, yeah. We, save that. we could also save that for Halloween show, but I don't know if Halloween falls on a weekday. We, we, should, we should promote. We should start promoting the Halloween show, I think. That's a great idea. Do. Yeah, we should do that ramp up. Yeah, James Bond says, bad luck to everybody today. Max Kaiser is saying 6K on Sunday, then pull back. Good intelligent input in the chat and uh yeah to be so fair, though, to be fair though people have been saying 6k for the past month so that is true that is true yeah <laughs> i mean in a bull market everyone's a genius just keep on calling out higher and higher numbers and then maybe they'll just come true eventually dress up as dorian nakamoto says honking poser it's not a bad idea you should get a mask monkey do us a spooky voice for our outro Goodbye, everybody. Keep an eye out for the maximalists. We're coming for you. Hyper Bitcoinization coming at you. All right. If you enjoyed today's show, you can like and subscribe. But remember, only if you want to. See you later. Bye bye.